Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. This is Upworthy Weekly, and I am Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is my wonderful co-host, Allison Rosen. Allison? Allison? Oh, that's right. She's on vacation while I'm slaving away making this show. But the cool thing is you're going to be able to hear her in a moment because for this week's show, we're going back to the beginning, all the way back to the pilot episode we did for Upworthy that actually got us the job. Uh, the way it started was uh, a while back, I thought Upworthy should have a podcast because, you know, it's a super popular online platform and they have such wonderful storytelling and, you know, stories that you may not get, you know, just watching the news, you know. And then I was thinking, well, if Upworthy is to have a podcast, who should be the host? And I thought, well, and I thought, well, I've, I've done some podcasts over the past 10 years or so. So just maybe it could be me. So then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to need a co-host. So, you know, I was like, you know, they've got, got to be smart, funny, maybe a background in journalism, uh, somebody very likable. And uh, Oprah Winfrey would not return my calls. So I shot a direct message on Twitter over to Allison Rosen, uh, who I'd listened to over the years. And I just really just loved her personality. And I thought she was smart but witty. And somebody that was very kind of relatable that the audience would probably love. And uh, honestly, if I had my choice to just pick anybody out of the ether and they would say yes automatically, I would have chosen Allison. So such a pleasure when she said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So in order to pitch the show to the higher upset Upworthy, we recorded a demo, I think last maybe April. And... You know, we turned it in, and then after after about nine months, uh, we were up and running. So here's our first show, and now the audio is going to be a little bit kind of echoey on my end because I did it in my office, not in my studio, and you're also going to hear a couple weird edits because the music that we used for the demo, we didn't have the rights to, to do it for this show. So uh, there's going to be some weird edits, and I apologize for that, but you know, I think this is kind of cool because it gives you a first look at the first time Alice and I ever worked together. So, yeah, enjoy this week's show, and next week we'll be back with uh, more fresh stuff. Who knows what we're going to talk about, but probably not cats. Hello, this is Upworthy, and my name is Todd Perry, and I'm here with the wonderful Allison Rosen. Hello. I'm a staff writer here at Upworthy, and Allison is the host of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. And Childish, featuring comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. Uh, you've also heard her on the Adam Carolla Show, which she co-hosted for four years, and seen her on Comedy Central's At Midnight. So it's a pleasure having you with us at the, our inaugural podcast. I'm very, 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 very excited to be here. Good, good. So on the show, what we're going to do is we're going to basically review the most popular, upworthy stories for the week, for every week. So we're starting off here with this week, May 10th through 15th. And uh, we're going to talk about folks who live off the grid and didn't realize that a pandemic was happening. And a revelation from Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard about their relationship. 
All right. So on May 13th, story by Annie Renault with the headline, Seven Stories of People Who Were Off the Grid During Major Events and Came Back to a Changed World. So imagine you were off the grid when the pandemic broke out. And you didn't know what happened. Uh, a group of adventurists took a rafting trip on fe- starting on February 19th, 2020. They went down the Colorado River and through the Grand Canyon, returned on Mar- March 14th. And the man who pulled them ashore asked them if they had been in touch with anyone. They had not. And he explained, uh, we're now in the grips of a global pandemic. And apparently guides on these uh, off-the-grid kind of trips had often joked about coming back to a changed world, but it just hadn't happened yet. And then um, the story, really interesting story, also rounds up other stories of people who had been off the grid, so they didn't know about the pandemic, they didn't know about 9-11, didn't know about the fall of the Soviet Union. (laughs) And then a story which I personally uh, really enjoyed, uh, a woman who was trying to buy food recently and was sort of confused about the money aspect of it, like how much. And then it turned out she'd just woken up from a 15-year coma. Oh. And at first I thought, oh, wow. But then I was like, wait a minute. 2006 is not that long ago. Like how different could prices have been? But I, but I looked it up. There's something called the Big Mac Index, which uh, lists – prices of a Big Mac each year, and it actually has doubled. Oh, really? Since then, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you, you know, since 2006, you got, you got labor costs going up. All right, all right. What amazes me is that it, it feels like the beginning of a TV show, you know, like yes. the guy's out on the ride, then they come back, and they're like, but imagine if you, you came back out of nowhere and you see everybody wearing masks. I know. That is, that's to me sounds like, it, we, we kind of eased into it, Right, mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't so shocking, but just right. seeing it, like I remember the first time I saw somebody wearing a mask in like the Stater Brothers, and the woman, she didn't just mask, like she really masked, like she went um, like the Breaking Bad, I'm cooking meth mask. <laughs> oh, with like the two, yeah. like canister things on the bottom, like, like the respirator. So I see mm-hmm. her, and this is like right before things really got bad or whatever, and I'm like. Somebody's overreacting. You know, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't put it together yet. And then it was like three days well, we later. Have, we have no. We had no frame of reference for it. No. So I think the only you know associations we could make at the beginning were TV shows, dystopian novels, things like that. So it did all seem surreal and like something out of you know apocalyptic at the beginning. Yeah, I remember. What, it's also all my stories are at Stater Brothers. Uh, <laughs> grocery store but i remember walking through there like that first weekend and everybody was hoarding ramen and mm-hmm. everybody had that because not everybody was wearing masks at that point and everybody was looking around they had this weird look in their eyes like is this going to come to the point where i got to start shanking people for like spaghetti yes. sauce or there's are we all, are we all about to turn on each other real quick or how loosely are we civilized <laughs> exactly yeah how quickly does it all just unravel yeah, a lot of things that happened this past year, I did just did not think would happen in my lifetime. Yeah. And then I think, was that a false sense of security? I remember in the early days of the pandemic when the concern was, will we be able to get 
medication right and things like that and then it turned out that toilet paper was the thing you couldn't get which <laughs> i don't think anyone predicted you know i actually i wrote a story for upworthy about this and actually there was a psychologist who did this whole thing in like i guess the atlantic or whatever about when things really get rough people kind of revert into this kind mm-hmm. of like freudian childish thing where their concern their concern goes to uh that area of the body the locus yeah, of my- control is changed <laughs> That makes sense. My four-year-old is, uh, you know, pretty freshly potty trained, and that is definitely his concern. Earlier this week, Upworthy caught up with actor Alexandra Daddario to talk about CARE, an organization that works to save lives, defeat poverty, and achieve social justice by putting women in the center. You can watch the entire discussion on Instagram. The thing that I love about the work that you do with CARE and CARE's general sort of services is that it acknowledges the intersectionality of everything. And so it's like, it's not only just about girls' education or eradicating poverty or, um, you know, specific niche things. They're all interconnected. So anything related to like, you know, violence in the home or sexual violence or class or race or, um, you know, poverty as it intersects with environmental justice. Like they're all, it's sort of all encompassed. And I feel like a lot of media surrounding these issues don't tend to make that connection. So the fact that there's been this sort of holistic approach to eradicating poverty and providing services for those who need it most, especially women and girls is really, really encouraging. Yes. Very well said and exactly true. It's it's multi-layered. Uh, you have to come at it from all angles. And that's why CARE is such an incredible, huge organization and why if you can donate, um, your money is going to basically the source of the problem. Ohio is having a vaccine lottery giving one million in prizes to five people who simply do the right thing. This is also by Annie. Uh, this is from Wednesday. In, a, in an attempt to get more residents to get vaccinated against COVID-19, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has announced a truly unexpected incentive program. Two weeks from tonight on May 26, DeWine wrote on Twitter, we will announce a winner of a separate drawing for adults who have received their, at least their first dose of the vaccine. The announcement will occur each Wednesday for five weeks, and the winner each Wednesday will get $1 million. How do you feel about governors going so far as to bribe people to get the COVID-19 vaccine? I feel mixed about this because on the one hand, wow, you could win a million dollars just for getting the vaccine, which I personally feel you should get anyway. Right. Um, On the other hand, it does seem like a pretty wasteful use of those funds. Yeah. Well, think about it as a parent. You ever go... Okay, if you clean your room, you get the chicken nuggets. You know, mm-hmm. he's supposed to clean his room, right? But right. I tried this the other day. I was trying to get my kid in the pool because I want to sit in the uh-huh. hot tub with my, my kid because I, I want to sit in the hot tub and hang out with my son and everything. He's like, nah, I want to, you know, I want to watch Octonauts or something. And I was like, then I slipped into Bad Dad and I was like, how about I'll give you a cookie if you come in the pool with Dad? And he was like, I don't like. 
like that deal, but I want the cookie. And then I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm being such a terrible parent right now. I hope he doesn't tell my wife because he's at the age now where he can rat on me, you know? Yeah. But I think this is like... I th- Well, can I just say something about, par- about the parenting though? Yeah. I think positive reinforcement and incentives are okay. And that is how I personally justify all the toys we've given him as potty presents. Oh, no, potty training, it's game on, no matter what. Okay. Like, the, you want a potty cookie? You want a potty yeah. M&M? You want a potty right. Snickers bar? Whatever, just do your thing. But I want to know the mentality of the guy that's like, I'm not going to get the vaccine for my own personal health or the health of others. But for a chance, and it, albeit a very small one, one million dollars, give me the jet. We live near a liquor store that I think their main business is lottery tickets or lotto. Yeah. And there are just people lined up constantly to buy the tickets. And um, I feel like they would probably do it. They would probably get the vaccine. Yeah. Or and I would get another vaccine for the chance to win a million dollars. Get all the vaccines. I want to get. Well, now that they've announced, you know, in California, pretty much anyone, you can just walk in and get the vaccine now. Yeah. I might just go for a third. Right. Who knows? Just third do- booster. Extra per- protection. Well, you know. Just t- top me off. <laughs> you know, it, it'll make it that much more interesting as we're, you know, hanging out with people now. And obviously you have the conversation. What shot did you get? When did you get? Mm-hmm. I got those side effects too. You're having that conversation, then you can you can one up everybody. Be like, well, the third one, right? The second one was rough, but the third one, I was hospitalized, <laughs> right. but it's worth it. Right. For the latest in uplifting stories and exclusive live stream interviews. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Upworthy. All right. So a story by someone named Todd Perry on May 6th. Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard open up about being attracted to other people and why that's okay. So apparently they have found a way to discuss taboo topics without making each other jealous. And uh, apparently Dax will pause the Olympics on runners frequently, Mm. both male and female. And uh, Kristen Bell is able to hear this without her ego getting involved. And it's a natural thing. They both find other people attractive and they don't take it personally. And then also, uh, apparently they do well with her out earning him. And uh, here's a stat because we know that Todd Perry likes a stat. That's right. Um, about a third of women in the U.S. make more than their husbands, and men experience stress when wives earn more than 40% of the combined income. Mm. I get that, because I think it's drilled into your head uh, from the moment you're alive that you you know, you know are the breadwinner, and that's one of your main right. jobs is to go out there and make a buck and you know break your back doing it. And if you don't, then that's no good, you know? And I personally like, we went through times where I worked part-time because, you know, we had a child and I took up a lot of the child responsibilities while my wife was working. And that was a little bit, there was a little bit of an ego involved, I found, with mm-hmm. it. But I, I think I would just need to be taught, told from time to time by my wife, like, I get it. You're bringing in less money because you're working less, but you're actually doing something more valuable. But yeah. I needed to be told that often in order to not um, feel bad to, myself, to, to, to not regress to the mean of, right. that, of that 
idea that's in you. You have to keep pounding on it because that's the way mm-hmm. you're socialized or whatever. Right. Uh, so that was weird. Allison, with you and Daniel sitting there, you're watching TV. Uh, you're watching the Olympics specifically. And, you know, he's watching, you know, some, some dudes run around, watch some women run around. What's more awkward if he said, if he pauses it on the dude and is like, nice legs, or if he pauses it on one of the females and says, nice legs, but maybe that depends based on, you know, who you're married to and, and whatever he's comfortable saying or whatever. I think if he paused it on the dude and said, nice legs, <coughs> <laughs> I my interpretation of that would be that he's admiring that physique and would like to achieve that himself. Yes. Okay. I, that, and that's just because I know him and I know us and that that's that would be what I thought that was like look at that look at that guy's rocking bod he really has achieved so much in the gym or whatever <laughs> um if it was a woman I would be like and you're telling me this because why uh, I don't think he and I have achieved uh Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell's ability to talk about being attracted to other people what he and I will do is ask the other one do you find this person attractive not people we know yeah um but like not like relatives (laughs) do you find my mom no not relatives no i mean like other actors and celebrities and stuff we'll ask them do you find them attractive um which maybe is almost playing russian roulette i don't know do you and your wife talk about this stuff uh i don't like she'll like she'll often note that like a woman is attractive or whatever and then i will yay or nay it you know go, yeah you know she's not bad looking or my wife had a thing with the bachelor and i found the one time i was allowed to judge women is when she was watching <laughs> the bachelor and i'd be like ew not her totally her ew not her and i was actually mm-hmm. able to discuss these things and she was fine with it but anything besides the bachelor i think is weird or i'll just be like you know, you're watching the Oscars or whatever, and I'll just be like, Margot Robbie, woof. You know, like, make a joke like, oh, God, please get her, get her off the television. You know, like, uh, uh, I'm going to vomit. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a joke, and I think that's acceptable or whatever, or, yeah. you know. The funny thing is she would, she would always ask me the names of the men she found attractive, which was weird. She's like, you know that guy on the OC that I watch? What was his name? That guy I think is cute. I'd be like, that's, that's you, honey. you got to know who you are. Right. That's weird, you know. Um, was it Adam Brody? Yes, it was Adam Brody. Okay. <laughs> and I, was watch- I mean, how would I know? I was watching some movie the other night with him in it, and I was like, that, my wife likes this guy. He's a good-looking guy, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think that is. We more just kind of have fun with it. But it's, mm-hmm. or like if there's somebody that's just obnoxiously good looking, I'll make note. Like, and, and I think pretty works. You know, if you're like hot or nice, specific body part, I think that's bad. But if you're like, so and so's just like really pretty and like God blessed with good skin. Yeah, or that's, yeah. A res- that's a respectful way to say it. Story on Wednesday by Annie Renault. I mean, she is just really beating you, Todd. I know we should call this the Annie Renault podcast. I yeah. feel we should we should have her on and then just say, Annie, we're gonna talk about you the whole time. You just chime in every once <laughs> you tell us when when we're wrong. <laughs> uh we asked our readers, who are moms, what they wish they could tell their younger selves about motherhood. And uh, a number of great tips came in couple that i want to highlight okay uh lighten up don't sweat the small stuff 
And also, don't let the enjoy every moment advice derail you. And regarding the don't sweat the small stuff. So uh, I had a baby shower when I was pregnant with my first son. And my friends put together um, this my this this little photo album with pictures and then they put advice in there and I feel like every single bit of advice and I'm not exaggerating it was all don't sweat the small stuff like that was everyone's piece of advice uh, and that it goes fast so yes it is very easy to get worried about the minutiae and uh, let that derail you so uh, that's a good piece of advice. And then don't let the enjoy every moment advice derail you. I, I like that because it's just an acknowledgement that it's hard. It can be hard. Yes. And this idea that you're supposed to love every single moment of parenthood is not realistic. And mm-hmm. you might not. And also, you know, there's so much in mom culture that really paints puts such a rosy spin on all of it and just the like the second you hold that baby your life changes and you feel different and for that doesn't happen for everyone yeah you know it sometimes it takes time to get to know that baby and that's okay it doesn't mean you're any less of a parent at least that's what that's something I would tell myself also uh I would tell my younger self accept help oh that's good because I had this attitude that I want to do everything myself. I don't need anyone to come visit. And then with with my second, when my mother-in-law wanted to visit, I was like, yes, please just move in. She did not. But I, it, at the beginning, it really is helpful to have someone who can just hold the baby so you can take a nap and shower. Yes, I I totally agree. And I'm also someone who doesn't like to ask for help. I try to be very Mm -hmm. independent about everything. And that Getting better at that, I think, was something that made me a better person, you know? Yeah. And more comfortable with that. Right. Uh, and I agree with what you say about that That whole, yeah, it's always perfect. And even, you know, when he's pooping his pants and you're, you know, and he's got the white poop. You ever had the white poop? <laughs> that is the worst day of my life is the white poop day, man. And then I would say my next piece of advice is make sure your kid has no idea what YouTube is until the last possible moment. We made that mistake. Oh, the, the the it started with the blippy. It was just yes. easy to put on the. If you look up his history, it's oh, I love his history. Uh, it's it's the oh, Steezy Grossman. Yes, it's a little little much for this show, but Google yeah. it, parents. Mm-hmm. Steezy Grossman, next week's guest on the Upworthy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it video. Uh, Gross out comedian Steezy Grossman. Let's just say he did not make child-friendly content prior to becoming a child star, a children's entertainment star. And for those of you who don't have kids, he's like kind of like a Pee Wee Herman-esque character, but without yeah. the character and, and the humor. And I don't mind him as much as a lot of... A lot of parents cannot stand him. I find him tolerable. I find him better than most, which is, yeah. you know... But so it blippy, and then it became... My kid realized that there are 12-minute-long videos of little kids playing with Hot Wheels. Yeah. And he calls it toys, and I want to watch toys. And But what happens is I become a human remote control because after every 12 minutes, I'm running out. I'm trying to mm-hmm. cook. I'm trying to listen to a podcast. Trying to listen to Allison Rosen as your new best friend. And, oh, excellent choice. Yes, and then in the background, I get... Dad! I want to watch a different toy like this. And I'm like, <laughs> and then after like the fifth channel change, I'm like, last one, last one. And you walk the Octonauts. 
watching Octonauts, and that's it. And then we're done. Yeah. And then also I have to watch little kids play with Legos all day, which is annoying. So that's what I'd say. What, what's your advice, Allison, to a um, young mother? Well, enjoy the definitely moment. Ex- anyone who, I mean, pan- uh, pandemic notwithstanding, anyone at the beginning who wants to come to your house and hold your baby and allow you to do some of the things that you might have put aside, like shower, nap, return emails, that kind of stuff, take them up on it. They want to do it and you need the help. Um, I'm a big fan of therapy. Mm, yeah. And... I had postpartum depression afterwards Mm. and at the beginning I just, um, I mean, that's not to get too dark, but I had a pretty traumatic birth and then my son had to go to the NICU for a few days and it was just very scary. He's, he's great now. And he was great when he left the NICU, like everything turned out well, but it was, I didn't get to hold him till the next morning and it was just not the birth that I wanted and, and (laughs) I mean, not by a long shot and it was just very scary. Um, and so, you know, a few months later I was still really, I thought I just had baby blues, which is a term you hear. And I thought it was just the adjustment to motherhood and it's just, um, this is normal. And as it went on and, and, uh, and I just found myself sad all the time, um, I, at a certain point I realized, no, this is a little more than, than just baby blues. And so I, um, I had been in therapy prior, but I started going to therapy again and it was hugely helpful. So, uh, my advice would also be if you think that you might benefit from therapy, do that. So we've come to the conclusion of uh, this week's This Is Upworthy, and I'd like to thank Allison Rosen uh, for being so wonderful and coming on doing the show with us. Thank you. I had the best time. Awesome. So, okay, we're going to go out. So you're not going to hear from us for a week. So here's the deal. We're going to give you something to think about, maybe some wisdom or advice that we've had in our lives that really uh, helped us along the way. So, you know, so we can all get a little better every day. Um, as someone once said, I always like this. This isn't, this isn't my one. This is another one. And they okay. said, get 1% better every day. Oh, that's good. Yeah, just, and I had that on a, a post-it, you know, and I was like, okay, 1% better. That, you know, that's like one less sip of alcohol a day or something, right? Like that's <laughs> one more minute with my kid or that's, you know, I just do that every day. So uh, that's what I thought. But uh, mine, I thought, I found this quote that I thought was really wonderful from America's, probably the best American alive, uh, Dolly Parton. <laughs> she really has come into her own. Uh, she's really grown into herself at 80 or however old she is. Um, and she said, this goes with another theory I have that everybody has like a perfect age where they're like awesome. Like some people are like awesome old people and some people are awesome young people and bad mm-hmm. old people. It's like Mark Twain was a great old guy, but probably like a lame 25 year old, you know? Right. Um, but Dolly Parton said, find out who you are and do it on purpose. I love that. Is that, is that powerful? I love that. <clears throat> mine is uh is a little more actionable mm. but my advice is make a new friend uh i find as an adult it's easy to not make to go years without making new friends however recently i met this woman she was actually a guest on my podcast oh mary jane and i always what mary jane Ras 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 raska mary lynn rice cub yes yeah mary jane mary oh i was thinking about the song anyway. i mean i always 
I always hit it off with my guests, but I felt like we hit it off on even another level. Right. And then I received a text from her saying, hey, do you want to get coffee or go on a walk? And I said, yes, I do. And we got coffee together. And uh, I mean, part of it is that I haven't done anything social in this whole past year. So to, to go, you know, now that we're both vaccinated, to get coffee um, with another human being was novel in and of itself. But it just made me feel so good to think, I think I'm making a new friend. Yeah. And it's such an easy, small thing to do. I just, uh, I don't know. I think maybe I'm clumsy with things like this. I, I think like, oh, I feel like I, I would like to be friends with that person, but I don't know how to make that happen. Yeah. But watching the way she did it, that is how you do it. You just, you meet someone you like, and then you ask if they want to hang out. And I think that we could all do that. It's good for you, and it's good for the other person. Yeah, and it helps you grow in a certain way, because now you're, you're having new people in your life. It's not the That's same right. old, let's rehash the same old stories from when we were 20, or whatever, you know? Exactly. And it puts you a little bit on edge, right? You gotta, you know, you gotta go out on your first date with her and you know see if it goes i gotta up my game my thing is always like oh i just hope they don't make this a thing you know what i'm saying like like i maybe this is my own insecurities i i I, the worst thing ever would be if someone was having a conversation and let's say we went on our, our our hike and we had our coffee and we had a great time and they're like so uh you know are we friends man like if someone's, I just be like, ah, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's like when you're in a relationship and you start dating, um, you have the moment where you have the talk, you do have talks. And at that point, usually I would never do it until it was pretty clear what was happening. But with friends, it's a little different, right? It's like, yeah, you seem to enjoy my company. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think when I was younger, it's going to sound like I'm judging you. Maybe I am. I think when I was younger, I would have been uncomfortable. But now that I'm just like a married old lady with a couple kids, I feel I would feel comfortable having the friendship talk because it feels like the stakes are lower. Ah, I get you. I get you. That's what I'm saying. That's my advice. It's look, I'm no Dolly Parton, but my advice is lower the stakes. Make a friend. <laughs> well, oh, I, I want to see that quote. Maybe that'll wind up on the up the Instagram. Lower the I'm stakes. I'm no Dolly Parton. No, oh, no. Low stakes. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that frequently to people, though. Actually, I'm no, I'm no Dolly Parton, but you know, <laughs> if you if you hear me sing, uh, Jolene. Uh, that's right. That's right. If you hear me sing Jolene, not that bad. Not that bad. I've never. I hope someday. Are we friends, Todd? I think we're close to it. I mean, I didn't want I didn't want this to be a thing because, like, I just said I don't want it to be a thing. Right. But, I know you don't want it to think be a thing. But I do enjoy your company and would enjoy doing this again. Me too.